0: This is Health Talk by TriHealth, a monthly podcast to help you take charge of your own health care and live a healthier, happier life. I'm Tom Tom Tumbush. Lung cancer is the most common cause of cancer-related death, both for men and women. Unfortunately, symptoms don't often appear until the cancer has reached an advanced stage, and by that time, the treatment options are far more limited. Since 2012, however, medical research has shown that screening high-risk individuals especially those with a lifelong history of tobacco use, has the potential to dramatically improve lung cancer survival rates by as much as 20%. It accomplishes this by finding the disease at an earlier, more treatable stage. With me in the studio today is Thomas Armstead, who was a lifelong smoker before he was diagnosed with lung cancer. We'll also talk with two physicians who were instrumental in his treatment. Dr. Chad Dunkel, Tom's general physician, who referred him for a lung scan, and Dr. R. Douglas Adams, a cardiothoracic surgeon who specializes in surgical procedures involving the heart and lungs. Dr. Adams has also been involved in developing effective lung cancer screening programs and has a special interest in robotic surgical therapy for lung cancer. Welcome to Health Talk, everyone.
1: Hi. Good to be here. Good to be here.
0: (laughs) All right. Let's start with you, Dr. Adams. Tell us a little bit about the risk factors of lung cancer.
2: Lung cancer, about 80 to 85% of it is associated with smoking. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you look at an individual's health history, that's obviously an important part to get uh, from their history. As far as lung cancer screening is concerned, the risk factors that were identified by the studies that were designed were an uh, age 55 to 79, mm-hmm. a smoking history of 30 pack years, which is the number of packs per day times the year smoked. So like one pack year is you're smoking a
0: pack a day for one year. every day for a year. Right.
2: Gotcha and that had to be a nexus of 30. And then uh, if you quit smoking, it's about 15 years uh, limit on that.
0: Okay. What about secondhand smoke risk? Like say you worked in a restaurant before the smoking ban came into effect in Ohio for a while?
2: Certainly secondhand smoke is a risk factor. Uh, But if you looked at the studies, it was a secondary risk factor. And if Mm -hmm. you have two or three of those, for instance, radon exposure, work exposure, and secondhand smoke or a family history of lung cancer, those can be taken into consideration when screening
0: for lung cancer as well. Now, these lung cancer screenings are relatively new. Before they were common, when would a lung cancer patient typically notice signs or symptoms? That's one of the most revolutionary aspects of the screening. Prior to
2: annual CT screening, which came out in August of 2011 and was adopted for payment about three or four years later, Um uh, you had to wait until symptoms or get an annual chest x-ray. And the problem is by the time you have symptoms from lung cancer, it probably involves something that makes it unresectable. And you're, the best you're going to be offered is a 5 to 15% five-year survival. So patients were typically at what we would call stage 3 or stage 4 by the time they had symptoms. Correct. Then, in addition to the survival advantage, in other words, saving 21% of the folks involved in that lung cancer screening, what you saw was a complete inversion of the detection ratio. So, instead of 75 to 80% of people being identified when there was not real significant therapy that could be offered, 75 uh, to 80% were offered early stage when a combination of surgery, chemotherapy, radiation, or some combination of could really give them a realistic survival advantage.
0: That's a big difference. Huge. Yeah. I mean, apart from that, are there other benefits for patients having the screenings?
2: Within that study, interestingly, there was an additional seven percent of people who had a survival advantage unrelated to lung cancer uh, detection, coronary arterial disease, aneurysms, other malignancies. For instance, were detected. So, if you take it all together, individuals who are screened, there's a twenty-seven percent advantage, survival advantage for having
0: that screening. Well, that's a huge upside. Now, uh, Tom, what symptoms? Did you have when you started to get concerned about the prospect that you might have something going
1: on in your lungs? I didn't have any symptoms at all. Nothing. So, what led you to get the screen done? Dr. Dunkel um, told me, since I'd been a smoker, mm-hmm. that um, Medicare would do a pre screening for a CT lung scan and an and, and, and abdominal um, scan of my lower abdominal. So, I said, Okay. Well, let's go get it done. May as well. Now,
0: Dr. Dunkel, how long had Tom been your patient at that point?
3: Uh, 42 years.
0: Oh, wow. So you guys have a longstanding relationship.
3: Mm -hmm. Yes.
0: So what guidelines for these lung screenings did you take into account when you recommended to him that he get that screening done? Well, as Dr.
3: Adams mentioned, uh, uh, age 55 to 77 are the guidelines that we went by. 30-year uh, pack history of smoking mm-hmm. uh, and ha- having smoked recently and not quit within the last
0: 15 years. Gotcha. Yeah. Now, you and Dr. Adams are both fairly new to the TriHealth system. I'm curious, uh, how did being connected in that healthcare system help you both to get Thomas the care that he needed?
3: Well, um what I did once I saw the results was I consulted with a friend of mine who's been with uh, TriHealth for a number of years and asked his recommendation. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Adams was his recommendation. Excellent. I appreciate that.
2: One of the reasons that, I, that I've moved to Cincinnati is is for working with individuals like Dr. Dunkel. There, There's a large group of primary care physicians in this community who are very attuned to delivering excellent care. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... As a parallel with that, there's a multidisciplinary system here for taking care of lung cancer from start to finish, from the primary care physicians detecting lung cancer using low-dose CAT scanning or being involved in smoking cessation, all the way through survivorship and everything in between. Detection uh, therapies with chemotherapy, radiation surgery, it's a complete system. Uh, And to me, that's very attractive, and
0: it's very integrated. Now, Tom, when you had the scan, what results
1: came back? Well, the results, Um, fortunately, um, I didn't find out until January. Um, I had a family doctor that didn't want to tell me during Christmas that that I had a, a nodule on my lung. Compression. Mm. And uh, <laughs> he says, I'd like to have, have you have a biopsy on it and uh, find out what it is. But he said 90% of the people in this area, uh, lower Butler County and that, have got nodules on their lungs. So he says, I'm really not concerned, but he says, I still want to get it checked out.
0: Mm-hmm. And so walk me through how the treatment plan went after
1: that point. Okay. Well, I had the, the biopsy, and the biopsy come back that it was cancerous. And um, Dr. Dunkel referred me to Dr. Crane, and Dr. Crane ordered a PT scan. So they did the, had the PT scan, had it all done and everything. And um, when I got out of the, the scanning and was walking back to the hall back, into the hospital, I looked at the uh, doctor and I looked at him and I asked him, I says, um, did I glow like a Christmas tree or was I a dimwit? Because <laughs> what,
0: <I>
1: <laughs> what I was trying to find out, whether I had cancer just in one spot or if it was all over. Well, he told me, he said, um, our screens are too small to tell. And I thought, yeah, uh-huh. you just don't want to say. And he didn't. So I seen Dr. A- um, Crane and Dr. Crane told me he wanted to have um, go see a surgeon. Mm-hmm. And I said, fine. So. Now, just to clarify, Dr. Crane is a medical oncologist with the TriHealth
0: Cancer Institute. Is that right? Yes. He practices at Bethesda Butler in the Oxford area.
1: Seen him on a Tuesday and that Wednesday. I got a phone call and went to see Dr. Adams on Thursday. And from there, uh, we set up to had the interview with Dr. Adams. And he told me what he wanted to do and showed me a YouTube. Uh, how he was going to do it and was going to do it robotically and mm-hmm. have some small incisions. And I said, okay. So he said, I need to send you to a heart doctor too to make sure your heart is strong enough to do it. And uh, so we did that. And I also had to do a, a lung capacity check to make sure that I had enough capacity. If they did take part of my lung out, that I still had enough lung capacity to, to carry on a normal life. Mm-hmm. So all the all them tests went fine and no problem. We did the surgery on March 4th, and I was in the hospital about four days, and that was it. And what was the recovery like? Well, <clears throat> excuse me, believe it or not, um, after the surgery that afternoon, um, one of the nurses come in and asked me if I'd want to be a re- in a recliner, and I said, yeah, man, that'd be nice. So I got to sit in a recliner, and, I thought I was at home, man. I didn't even <laughs> feel like I was in the hospital. I mean, they give me the few of the pain meds, but I overall, Doctor Adams will tell you every time they walked in, I said, "What am I doing here?" I says, "I don't have that much pain. I don't."
0: You were ready to get up and go home at that point. I,
1: well, at three o'clock that afternoon, I was out walking the halls. Mm-hmm. I had surgery in the morning. Was walking the halls in the afternoon.
0: Now I'm sure you had to take it easy for a little while, but
1: that day, but the next day, I was walking. Pretty well all around wherever I could go.
0: Now that you know that rapid of a recovery is that one of the benefits of the doing the procedure robotically, Doctor Adams. Yes. Um, before I get into that, I, I wanted to point, highlight
2: one thing that Mr. Armstead talked about because I think it's very very important. He had no symptoms, mm-hmm. and, and that is exactly what these the low dose cat scanning is designed to detect. That's when we can offer folks curative resection or curative therapy of other forms. Uh, and Doctor Dunkel, having ordered that study. It detecting the cancer at the point where it was an effective biopsy, uh, and then subsequent moving through the system of preoperative screening and eventual care is exactly what I was talking about earlier with that integrated system. Mm-hmm. Uh, within the trial system, we can we have all the components of that. And, and as Mr. Armistead has demonstrated, it works very well for identifying them early, for getting through the system of preoperative evaluation, and then into therapy. So, under the question you asked from a robotic standpoint, robotics. I've been doing robotics since 2009, and it is a
0: qualitative leap forward in terms of what we can offer patients Mm -hmm. and just so our listeners understand the robot itself does not perform the surgery the robot (laughs) assists the doctor to do the surgery in a more precise way no the robot is a tool and it is a tool that
2: allows me to be immersed in the chest to operate in a situation where i have 10x magnified vision and three-dimensional vision with micro instrumentation so it's it is the exact same procedure exact same safety profile but more effectively carried out and smaller incisions too, I would think. Three to four 8-millimeter incisions and then one final incision to remove it, which is about uh, about 3 centimeters long. Robotics came into the thoracic space between 2007 and 2009. And over the course of the last 10 years, there have been a lot of technologic refinements that have mm-hmm. made it increasingly effective in that therapy. Uh, you've seen a significant adoption where Five, six years ago, 1% to 2% of lobectomies or other surgical therapies were done robotically now we're as high as 40%. So that's changed just in the last 10 years. Significant. And it's patient-benefit-driven. You have less discomfort, a faster recovery, identical operation. In fact, in some circumstances, a more effective operation, all achieving a surgical cure.
0: Now, Tom, you worked with multiple different doctors throughout this whole procedure. How smoothly did that go for you?
1: Well, it went super smooth. I mean... One doctor was communicating to the other, and I'd walk in the office, and like first time I met Dr. Adams, he looked at me, and he says, I've already heard about you. <laughs> doc, Dr. Dunkel warned Dr. Crane, and Dr. Crane warned Dr. Adams. That, I like the kid and joke and have a good time. I mean, so, you know. That's, that's one
0: way to tell that all of your health care providers are in touch with one another. <laughs>
2: yeah, I mean. Your reputation preceded you. That's right.
1: But, you know, that's. If you can't have fun going through life, then there's no sense in doing it. Sure. How are you feeling these days? With my hands. <laughs> 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 I feel real good. I mean, it's I'm short of breath a little bit once in a while. I got to watch it. And like Dr. Adams told me, he says, your body will tell you when you want to stop and take a rest. And he says, stop and take a rest. He says, you know what to do. How long has it been since you had the surgery done? Had surgery March 4th and was dismissed from the hospital March March 7th. Okay. Went back to work part-time on um, April 1st. Dr. Adams,
0: what's your professional take on how he's come through the procedure? Uh, Mr. Arms
2: said, first of all, he's, he's done very, very well, which is typical of folks who undergo this resection. Now, for the benefit of our listeners, tell us what resection means. The term resection means removal. And really, for each individual, it's a matter of how much has to be removed in order for the patient to enjoy the benefit of the surgery. In certain circumstances, it's an entire lobe. In others with smaller tumors, uh, it's a segment of that lobe. And really, that's where we're headed with surgical lung cancer therapy today. The smaller the tumor is when it's identified, the less lung has to be removed in order to enjoy a 95 plus percent curative resection rate.
0: Now, if you don't mind my asking, how much did you have to remove in Tom's case? An entire lobe. and. I guess, how do you define what a lobe is? How much, how much of the lung are we talking about? The body has
2: five lobes, three on the right, an upper, middle, and lower, and two on the left, upper and lower. Uh, and so a lobe is one-fifth of the lung capacity. And individuals in general have a significant amount of reserve, as Tom has indicated. Um, and, and the impact on his lifestyle of removal of this has been minimal, if any. Secondly, I think he illustrates that the attitude with which you come to any kind of therapy has a lot to do with how you do. Um, one of the interesting things for me about robotic surgical therapy or low dose CAT scanning or any of the, the therapies that we offer folks with lung cancer is for years we've not been able to offer them anything that really is meaningful in, in terms of survival. But between low dose CAT scanning and these minimally invasive surgical techniques, we now can go to a patient and say, look, we realize you have something that's not great, lung cancer, but we have very, we've detected it early using the most up to date technological tools that we have. And we can offer you a resection, which is curative in a lot of circumstances, again, using the most up-to-date
0: technology uh, with the outcomes that we've talked about this morning. There seems to be a lot of upside to this scanning. Is this something that insurance typically will cover, you know, getting a scan like that? Dr. Dunkel, you might be the best one to answer that question. Yeah, there
3: was no problem getting it approved. Uh, It's almost automatic Mm -hmm. um, as long as you meet criterion.
0: And will Tom need further screenings in the future because of his previous diagnosis?
3: Uh, Yes, they will be done annually. Mm -hmm. One of the interesting things about low dose
2: cat scanning is that it it is a very effective screening tool. We in this culture have become accustomed to mammography, have become accustomed to colonoscopy as screenings for breast cancer and colon cancer. Mm -hmm. Low dose cat scanning is as effective, if not a little bit more in terms of identifying individuals with lung cancer. So as, as this screening test becomes more and more of our part of our medical culture, we anticipate more and more folks will
0: be requesting it or undergoing it. That's fantastic. Guys, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been a very informative episode. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Health Talk by TriHealth, where leading local care professionals help you to stay up to date on proactive health care strategies and to live a healthier lifestyle. New episodes of Health Talk by TriHealth are released on the first Tuesday of every month. I hope you'll join us next time. You can listen to Health Talk online at TryHealth.com or search for Health Talk by TriHealth on SoundCloud, Apple iTunes, or your favorite podcast source. This is Tom Tumbush. Thanks for listening. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only. It should not be relied upon to make a diagnosis or for treatment purposes. And this podcast does not create a physician-patient relationship. Please consult your healthcare provider or contact TriHealth to make an appointment if medical attention is needed. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individuals interviewed and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of TriHealth or any of its affiliates. This podcast is the copyrighted work of TriHealth, which owns the exclusive rights thereto. Unauthorized use, copying, and dissemination are illegal. Copyright 2019, TriHealth. All rights reserved.